What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And we are back. Michigan State takes a two-point victory against Loyola in the first uh, matchup at the Atlanta Atlantis um, Battle for Atlantis, Rod. And, and this one started off about as good as you'd want. Uh, three straight blocks from Bingham on the defense, and then they get out to a 9-0 lead. Um, and then they started to kind of stagnate. Uh, they start kicking the ball around, um, uh, and then kind of like limp into halftime, get a little bit closer. Um, and then Gabe Brown, uh, uh, and Hall really start catching fire in the second half and they make it a game again. Uh, and it leads all the way down kind of tight all the way until the very end, uh, with that just a beautiful play to end the game, Rod. I mean, uh, Tyson Walker kind of got the guy off balance. Um, came back across the screen again and lobbed it to Bingham for the dunk to um, pretty much seal it. And they had a Hail Mary attempt at the end uh, that was not even close. But um, really exciting game to watch. It it was exciting because it was close and it was pretty well played over the last, I don't know, six minutes, eight minutes, something like that. Yeah. Um, I would not say it was for 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 neutral fans. I'm not sure that was a highly entertaining game for most of it <laughs> yeah. because the turnovers were just endlessly flowing both ways. The shocking thing was that Loyola was really bad there too, and yeah. that's a veteran team that generally takes good care of the basketball, and they had their own problems. Not as not as profound as Michigan State's, but their own. Um, lot to unpack there uh, as as we go through it. So um, let's start with the, the first thing that comes to mind, which is the guy who made both, well, did three things down the, st- four things down the stretch to win it, and that's Marcus Bingham. So the first thing he did was Loyola had possession. And if I remember correctly, they missed, had an offensive rebound, and had another chance at it. And they could have, and I've seen some people talking about this, criticizing what Loyola did, saying, well, why didn't they play two for one? Well, almost no college team ever does that. There are reasons for it. Primarily, they correctly don't trust their players to execute. I, I think people sometimes undersell the differences between guys who are professionals and guys who aren't. Yeah. And, oh, the NBA does it all the time. Yeah, those are pros. <laughs> and, and college coaches only have so much time available to them to teach, to practice, and the players they're coaching are not even close to the overall skill level of an NBA roster. Yeah. So there are reasons why you see it in the NBA as a matter of course, and you almost never see it in college. I know some don't like that. They want to they wanna look at what the analytics tell you about it, et cetera, et cetera. I, my retort to that is there's a reason you see almost no one do it at this level. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're not capable of, of 
executing it. They don't have the trust of their coaches to do that. And you can argue they should spend more time on that. Okay, so what are they spending less time on? Because right. you will lose something. You know, anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> so uh, Loyola goes up for a shot inside. Marcus Bingham blocks the shot. Set a career high seven in this game. You mentioned he had three mm-hmm. right out of the shoot. But in a game where I thought uh, he had a good challenge given to him, that Hudson kid that they played, we had speculated that they might play him more, feeling like they might need a little more size uh-huh. against MSU, and he did play more. How many minutes did he get? Hudson, yeah, he played just over 19 minutes. He had been averaging like 11 or 12, so not a shock. And I thought he was really good. They've only got him credited uh, four for nine for nine points. Um, But I thought the way he used his body as the game went on to create space Mm -hmm. to negate Marcus's length was really top-notch. I'm convinced seeing that kid, the numbers aren't eye-popping, but I think he's probably going to be their next star. I I really like the way he played. Because let me tell you something. Guys like Coburn, Dickinson in the Big Ten, they weren't able to do that against Markey. Yeah. You know, so that said something to me. Now, all that said, Marcus still hung in there and managed to rack up four more blocks over the course of the game, none as big as that one on Loyola's second-to-last possession. But just as importantly, he secures the rebound. So Loyola doesn't get another chance to win it. Michigan State has possession. They, go, they come up court, call timeout. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. So that's two things Marcus did. Mm-hmm. I'll digress again for a second. It used to be that one of the old cliches that would get trotted out in every game by color men uh, doing a Michigan State game is that Tom Izzo's teams are great coming out of timeouts. And that used to be the case. They had an amazing track record. Uh-huh. In recent years, it, it and I, I haven't, I haven't charted the the efficiency statistics on it, but just anecdotally, it seems they have not been quite as sharp in recent years. And I'm even talking about good teams, like the Cassius teams, uh, haven't been quite as good. In this case, a simple play didn't wasn't wasn't a, a genius of coaching in in one sense because it was just a pick and roll, but. Um, Mark, Izzo credited Mark Montgomery in the post game with being the guy who suggested it to basically say, put the ball in Tyson Walker's hands and let him make a read. And that's what they did. But the way it was executed by everybody involved was fantastic. And mm-hmm. that's what, you know, that's what you want to see. Uh, and, and I, Marcus obviously was the recipient of that. Um, he rolled hard. Izzo gave him great credit for making that play by virtue of the pick he set and how hard he rolled to the rim. I think something else that should be pointed out is Michigan State, and this is an area that I think has been responsible for some of the mistakes we've seen made. Their spacing has not always been great. Izzo mentioned it in the post games. Like he's got guys trying to make passes to each other with some pace um, when they could touch each other. They're that close, right? Spacing's mm-hmm. not sufficient. Michigan State had great spacing. I'm, I'm watching it as we're recording this. ESPN is running it. And the spacing was fantastic. They had Brown, Christie, and Hall all spaced around the arc. So Loyola really couldn't 
do as much as they probably would have liked to do in defending that pick and roll because they had to honor those guys. Yeah. You know, Brown, Brown and Hall in particular had really good days shooting the ball. So um, that was big. But Markey running it, running it to perfection, and just making the play. And we'll get to Tyson Walker and what role he played in that. But um, that's play number three. And then play number four. There's still like three and a half seconds left. Yeah, and he Loyola got his hand up. <laughs> Loyola, well, here's what he does, and he talked about this in the post game. As he dunked it, he's on the rim momentarily, of course. You, he talked about it, and I watched a replay. You could see him do it. He wasn't lying. He looks at the clock. So that's the first thing, the awareness of how much time. And then he sprints back down. Norris is coming at him. Norris, put, look, a, a half-court shot is never a high-percentage shot. But he sprints down, gets into position where he was able to offer a semi-contest, at least on that shot, mm-hmm. without fouling, without making a huge mistake. Yep. All Just enough to throw him things. off a little bit. Uh, the, the awareness that Marcus Bingham showed making that play, that's the kind of thing that we, we took for granted with, say, a Draymond Green, a Xavier Tillman, mm-hmm. guys who just fought the game at a really high level, and you would see do things like that repeatedly. I don't know that we've ever seen it out of Marcus Bingham. And, and that, all the other areas we're seeing growth from him, let's not let that one slip by unnoticed. That's why I called it out as a fourth yeah. moment at the end of the game because I do think it matters. No, it wasn't it wasn't spectacular, but it was a guy the Marcus Bingham of a year ago and especially two and three years ago probably celebrates, doesn't get back, and maybe it all turns out well in the end, or maybe the guy gets a totally clean look. You know? It's little things like that that matter. So I, boy, in the last twenty some seconds of the game was a Marcus Bingham clinic. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in, when they're in the timeout waiting for that last play, I, I was thinking to myself, I have no idea what they're going to do here. Because, you know, you've been so used to um, somebody like a, a Cassius or a Miles Bridges or something. He's like, you just yeah. kind of know that they're going to get it. So in this sense, I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe Malik Hall gets it. He's kind of hot. But to see them that would have been my guess. Drawn up, yeah. My guess would have been that they would have tried to get the ball to Malik maybe in the mid-post and let him go to work figuring with the way he's playing, he's either going to score or he's going to get fouled. You know, that's that's what I expected to see, but it was very clear what they did is exactly what they had drawn up. Now, there's a read on that play. You know, the decision wasn't, hey, we want to go to Markey on a lob. The decision was we want to put Tyson in a pick and roll and let him read it. He happened to make a spectacularly good read. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was interesting. And, again, maybe a little sign of growth for Tyson, certainly for Marcus, as we've mentioned, and maybe for this team. I mean, that that was an ugly game for most of it. <laughs> yeah. But trust me. That is a win that's going to look good. Loyola is legit. Loyola is going to win a lot of games. I would guess that they are the favorite. There's some competition in the Missouri Valley, but I would guess they're the favorite. 
Uh, you never know exactly how it'll work out in those smaller conferences. You want to be rooting for Loyola playing Auburn tomorrow, for example, because from mm-hmm. this point forward, you want, you know, teams you've beaten and even teams you lose to to have a lot of quality wins. But um, that that is, I I thought that was going to be a very difficult game to win, and it was. But the fact is, they did win it. Mm-hmm. So. I think we start with Marcus Bainham. Um, we talked through the last sequence. Uh, his game in totality, another really, really strong one. 11 points, almost had another double-double, nine boards, career-high seven blocks. Owen, by the way, had two steals. Um, yeah. What what at five for eight from the floor, one for two at the line. Played a little over 24 minutes. I like that. Um, didn't ever look gassed to me. Uh, what more can you say? I mean, he is – I think he's arrived. I mean, I mm-hmm. don't know that we expect double-doubles every time out, but we are seeing a guy who is now basically five for five. Every game he's played this year, he's made positive impacts, and and increasingly so as we're going. Um and, That's and a game the blocks changer. have been consistent, too. Yes. Every yes. single time. Izzo, Izzo mentioned it. He said it's uh, it's kind of an obvious point if you've been watching it, but he said the thing that it does, having him back there, is it allows their defenders to maybe play up a little more, be a little more aggressive than they would be otherwise, that, and that can lead them to being more disruptive because you know you've got that guy back there. Mm-hmm. If you get beat, you got a guy who's got a seven foot four wingspan to provide help. Um, he's also, by the way, doing it without fouling, which is often mm-hmm. a real challenge for shot blockers. That should not go unnoticed. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Offensively, boy, again, we see the variety of stuff. He had some post buckets. He had another nice step in, like seventeen, eighteen foot jumper. Uh, he's playing within himself. He's not forcing it much. You know, um, it's 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 good, good, good stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Malik Hall, he plays 32 minutes in this one, 24 points, seven rebounds, and assists, and perfect from the floor. Nine and nine, hit his one three that he took, all five free throws. Um, I mean, I'll mention a couple of other stats. Zero turnovers. He's one of only three guys who can say that. The other two were Jaden Akins and Matty Sissoko, barely played. Mm-hmm. Everybody else had at least one. Um, and he committed one personal foul. He drew six. Yeah. That, that number is a big one, along with all the rest. And I, I'll repeat something I mentioned on the Spartan Mag board and see how you feel about it. To me, what, what occurred to me during the course of this game, watching the way he was going about his business, I thought, this looks like the ultra-efficient version of what Aaron Henry was at his best. Mm-hmm. Because he did so much off the dribble and not just blowing by guys to go directly to the rim, but using his dribble in traffic along with his strength to create space for himself to get a, a good look at the rim. It's the kind of stuff we saw, again, Aaron Henry at his best would just kind of 
bowl guys over. He would use his strength. He would use his athleticism, and he would use his handle to create scoring opportunities. And that's what we saw out of Malik. I Look, I thought Malik was going to be improved this year. It was reasonable to expect that. I did not expect this kind of jump. And Mm -hmm. look, what's been the biggest issue for Malik Hall in his career thus far? Consistency. So he's got to continue to do this. He's got to prove it. But I sense a maturity about him that we have not seen yet at Michigan State. This, to me, looks like a guy who has grown. He's a co-captain. That's a sign of it. Um, And I think the way he's going about his business. Today, it just that was a guy who knew he had it going but didn't allow that fact to ever get him out of rhythm or out of control or rushing anything or heat checking, nothing like that. He was totally playing within himself at all times. And if Michigan State could get anything close to this kind of Malik Hall, look out. Because mm-hmm. that's an element I did not think they would have. I thought this team would be better overall going to the rim because I thought they had some guys. You know, Gabe Brown, to me, seemed improved in that area. I think Max Christie has that in his game. Jaden Akins, Tyson Walker have the potential for that. But this is different. It's coming from an end I didn't expect it to come from. And it's looking to be very, very efficiently done as well. He looks under control mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, also hit a huge three. Yeah. And the only one he took. He's shooting the three very well thus far, but um, that was a that was a big one. That was a point where Loyola had cut it to one, I think, and it went right back up to four. Now MSU goes down the next possession and gives it right back to Brayden Norris hitting the three because the guard, I think it was Max, went under the screen instead of over. But um, nevertheless, Malik Hall was just a monster today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Christie, 34 minutes, but only two points, four rebounds, uh, three assists, one for six on the floor, 0 for two for three, three turnovers. As, as Izzo said in the post game, it's the first time Max has really struggled. He just mm-hmm. he couldn't find his offensive game. I do – like the three assists, I thought that was and, – and they were nice ones, too. They weren't just, you know, I pass the ball to a guy on the arc who happens to hit a shot. They were impactful passes, mm-hmm. you know. So that was good to see. But, yeah, he'll he'll have better days. And they need him to. They need him starting tomorrow. They need him to be better than he was today, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, kind of an off day for him offensively. Uh, and Gabe, uh, he's got nine points on three threes, but kind of took himself out of the game early with some foul trouble, only winds up at 20 minutes in this one. Yeah, um, very disappointing. And they can't have that. You you saw in the second half when he had that flurry mm-hmm. how much he matters. They need <laughs> yeah. him. And now, to his credit, he played a lot of minutes with four fouls. Yeah. You know, they he got the fourth, I think, with maybe – 11 minutes to go, something like that. And they brought him back pretty quickly. I want to say he played the last six or seven minutes of the game and didn't foul out. So that was uh, that was important that he was out there at least as a threat. I mentioned that last play. Well, he was part of that, even just standing on the arc, because Loyola's got to honor him. They can't just leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Um but the, the shots he hit were big ones. They were they came when Michigan State seemed to be teetering 
you know, where Loyola, they had that five-point lead at the half. I think they got it as high as nine yeah. in the second half, and then Gabe came right down and busted a three to cut it to six, and MSU was never really out of it after that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Gabe's got to play better than this. No rebounds either. That's that's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the shots he hit were big ones. Let's put it that yeah. way. And he he when he wasn't fouling, I thought he played pretty well defensively. I thought the whole team played well defensively in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Tyson Walker, twenty four minutes, eight points, a rebound, four assists, um, hit a couple. Three pointers uh, had a steal, but four turnovers. Yeah, um, that's not good. Four assists, four turnovers, one to one ratio is not going to make anybody happy. But <laughs> this is the Tyson Walker Michigan State needs. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, you say, oh, three for nine. Great, cool. I I want him taking nine shots. He was aggressive. Mm-hmm. He that last play he made. Because he was aggressive. Now, he made a pass instead of taking the shot. But that's the read. And to make the read, you have to be aggressive enough and have been aggressive enough to force the defense to give you a choice. Right? Mm -hmm. That was a result in part of the way Tyson Walker played this game. I looked two for two on threes. And the shots he missed, I was fine with every single one of them. There were actually more shots out there that he left on the table. Yeah. He could have taken even more, but that aggressiveness is what this team has to have from him. So I am, Izzo rightly harped on the turnovers from his point guards, and Tyson was part of that. But, man, if you can't see the difference with this team when he's out there and engaged and playing aggressively, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, because uh, Hogard did not have a very good night with 22 minutes, only three points, one for eight from the floor, five turnovers, two assists. You know, look, I, it is not an accident that, you know, give him credit for the Kansas game where he played well. But uh, Kansas is a smaller team by Kansas standards. When he has played two more physical, bigger, I don't mean necessarily taller, but just stronger teams. Butler, and in this game, he struggled. Those shots, that penetration stuff at the rim against smaller opponents that we've seen against Western and Eastern, where he kind of just physically outdoes those teams. That that stuff's not going to be there consistently. Uh, You know, it's certainly not in the Big Ten. You know, so AJ's got a AJ taking jumpers. I I don't really want to see that because <laughs> he's he's not a shooter. He's just not. Now, you know, I, I I still think as a backup, he's fine. You could do you could do worse because there are things that he can do. He certainly can function well in the transition game, and we'll see. You know, we'll talk about UConn at the end of this. Uh, I have a feeling that's a game that could be a little more of a 94-footer than any game we've seen yet this year. And mm-hmm. A.J. could have value in that area because one thing he does is gets them into transition, makes the, the early throw-ahead pass very, very well. Does it better than Tyson even at this point. Um, but, you know, what he played? He played 21 minutes. And Tyson played 24. They had to play together a lot because of the foul trouble 
to Gabe, more, more than, not a lot, but more than we would normally see. Mm-hmm. I I personally, my feeling is something more akin to a 25-15 split between those guys is mm-hmm. is where I could live with things. Because I, I just think it's a subtle thing, but the half-court offense, man, I, maybe A.J. makes that last play. You know, he's shown an ability sometimes to convert on, on that kind of play. Yeah. But I don't feel nearly as confident with him in the decision-making and the ability to read it. I think there's just as good a chance that he would have tried to bowl that thing up himself mm-hmm. in traffic. And and that's where I think there's a difference. There's just a difference in the the offense and, just as importantly, the potential of the offense with Tyson Walker. Still a role for A.J. to play, just not – the splits that we've seen thus far, I think and hope that's going to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Joey was in there for 17 minutes, four points, six rebounds, uh, one for two from the floor, hit both his free throws, uh, but did have three turnovers. Yeah, the, the the turnovers, there was one where MSU had cut it to one and they were trying to get over the hump to get the lead back, and he just threw a terrible pass that didn't need to be made. And you saw Izzo just with his head in his hands. I mean, I'll say this. Joey scored all four of his points fairly late in that game. The jumper that he hit, important. Because he needed to see (laughs) some things go well for himself, right? I think that should help with his confidence. Look, six rebounds in a game like this mattered. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they needed that. So it's not like he didn't contribute at all. But... This is, you know, and again, we go back to Malik playing as well as he is. We might be entering an area where that needs to look like a 25-15 split at the four, whereas coming into the season, I felt it was more like a 20-20, 21-19, that kind of thing. Right now, you know, Malik Hall is just giving you a lot more. Let's put it this way. Malik Hall has been able to successfully do what we see Joey struggle with a lot, which is going him creating shots for himself off the dribble. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's a big difference between these two guys right now. But I, I still maintain Michigan State needs a functional Joey Hauser to be mm-hmm. as good as it can be. There's there's no there's no scenario where Joey Hauser is a, an eight minute a night guy and Michigan State is as good as it can be. Mm-hmm. It might get to that, who knows? But I'm I'm not def- I'm not saying he's played well. He hasn't. But they need him to play well. And so hopefully that's what these next few weeks are going to be about. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Akins, 16 minutes, not a whole lot, just an assist and a block and a steal. Yeah, but, you know, that block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That block, that was, block was as great as Marcus Bingham's blocks were. They were not the loudest blocks Michigan State registered. It was the only <laughs> other one that anybody else in green and white got which was Jaden Akins, because it was big. It was off the glass. Malik Hall takes it and goes the distance, mm-hmm. goes length of the court for a bucket off that block when he secured the, the rebound. That was a big, big play, and I thought Jaden played pretty well defensively. I think Michigan State is a team. Mm-hmm. This Loyola team is no joke offensively. They, they are not. I mean, you might think that you, you saw them go out there and miss a lot of shots, Um those were mostly well-defended shots. Michigan mm-hmm. State earned that performance, that, that performance by Loyola, in my opinion. 
and Jaden was part of that. You know, 15 minutes, played solidly. Uh, and then uh, Marble, nine minutes, only 2.3 rebounds. Yeah, you know, he was okay. Uh, yeah, this was a game where, you know, Marcus Bingham was needed. And so I was totally fine with the splits. Michigan State, it was mostly the usual three guys. There were there were sequences late in the game where they went small ball. The uh, announcing team, which was less than stellar, I will I will note, um, <laughs> incorrectly claimed that Michigan State was rolling five guards out there. Well, I guess if you think Joey Hauser is a guard, <laughs> Joey Hauser was playing the five. I know. What in the world uh, were they talking about? I. Well, this is what happens these these tournaments occasionally <laughs> when you get people who don't know the personnel, and you know whatever. But we shouldn't harp on that too much. It was a poorly <laughs> called game, but they they often are at this time of year, unless you're fortunate enough to get a Billis or a Raft doing your game. Who knows what's what? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they did go small ball a little bit, so that also cut into those minutes at the five. So not a not a huge game in terms of impact for Julius, but he he did hit the uh, hit the one shot, um, which I believe was a face up mid range jumper, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was. Nice. Um, and you know, it chipped in a little bit on the glass. Was okay defensively. Um, you know, decent, and that's where he's been most of the year. You know, nothing he's done is really wowing you, but he doesn't have to in the role he's in because Marcus Bainham is providing a lot of wows. Uh, so he just needs to be steady. Uh, and that's basically uh, it for the players. Um, if we look at the keys, Rod, defend the arc. Loyola, they go uh, 7 for 20 for 35%. Yeah, they hit a bunch of those. They hit like three of those late, though. For most of that game, I thought Michigan State defended the three very, very well. They, the, that's not to excuse them because the two that Norris hit late to keep mm-hmm. Loyola afloat, were both directly results. One time, I believe it was, I think it was AJ. The the second one was definitely Max. They went under screens. And something I've noted that I think Michigan State has done much, much better so far this year, we've talked about it here, I think. The guards have been going over the top of picks. Um, they didn't do that at key moments. With, and you just you have to – I'll trot out the old Judd uh, – acronym KYP know your personnel that goes mm-hmm. for your personnel and also the opponent Braden Norris is a shooter it's what he does that is the last guy that you should be going under a pick mm-hmm. you're guarding him and they did it twice and paid for it you know like, okay you're going to give a, a proven shooter that kind of look that's what you get um, so I, I, I think overall Look, they came in shooting 45% as a team from three. So to hold them to, uh, uh, 35. to 35 is is a success by by those standards. And I think Loyola will shoot better percentages against a lot of other teams than what they did today, even with those late makes. Um, but it could have been even a little better than it was. So for most of the game, I thought Michigan State did a really nice job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then rebounding. Uh, yeah. They didn't. They got Loyola got quite a few offensive rebounds. Looks like maybe ten. Eleven. Uh, Eleven. Was one team board. Team. So 
Let me do a quick, so that's um, 37, so it's 11 divided by 37. Okay, so they're, they're, it's not terrible in that their offensive rebounding rate was just under 30%, 29.7%. That's not a disaster. But this is not a good offensive rebounding team, statistically. It's not something they really emphasize. I think a lot of what they got done, frankly, they were just a little tougher at times, mm-hmm. and a little more active, a little quicker to react. Um, so that was not good. The disappointment was, and what we said in the keys, was Michigan State tracks as a very good offensive rebounding team early in the season. Loyola is a very good defensive rebounding team. Which one would win out? And we thought like Michigan State needed to win that category because you didn't like the odds of winning the turnover category. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't. You know, they were, let's see, 28. Michigan State only had a 25% offensive rebounding rate. And that's just not quite where it needs to be. You know, this is a team that there have been games this year where MSU has been up in the mid to high 40s. Now, you know, you control for the opposition and all of that. But um, it was disappointing. It was disappointing because, unfortunately, at least Michigan State's end of the turnover battle turned out exactly the way we feared it might, which was an outright unmitigated disaster. Um, <laughs> so you were you were looking at rebounding maybe to um, help offset that to some degree. My worry was this, just to remind everybody. Normally, the equation is if they can even be evened in offensive in rebounding opportunities, so second shot chances and turnovers, Michigan State typically is going to win the vast, vast, vast majority of the games they play because you count on your half-court defense and you count on your shot-making ability to give you an edge there. Normally, where they go awry, it's because they just haven't had as many scoring opportunities as the opponent. Right. The problem is Loyola also has that equation where they shoot the ball. I mean, they came in shooting 60% from the floor as a team, mm-hmm. 45% from three. And they're not as good a defensive team as Michigan State, but very good. And this program's recent history suggests they're going to make it tough on you. And I think they did defend well. Um, so if you're not if you're not even – Square with them in the scoring opportunities, boy, life might be tough in getting a win. Somehow Michigan State pulled it out. But if you'd given me the turnover and rebounding numbers beforehand, I would have thought the odds were long mm-hmm. against this opponent. Uh, and then turnovers is the fourth key. Well, you look. <laughs> wow. Um, the positives or I don't think they committed a turnover in the last five minutes and change. At winning time, and we've seen that before in games this year, where they've tightened it up late. The Kansas game, I think, was like that, if I remember correctly. They were much, much better down the stretch. Overall, in the second half, they quote-unquote only had six. Now, if it was six a half, so 12 for a game, you'd live with that. But it wasn't that way. They had 14 in the first half. And the worst part is that nine of them came from the point guards, four for Walker, five from Hogarth. But it was everybody. It wasn't just those two guys. 
Um, one thing that did happen that I wanted to call out, uh, and, and it, it's an issue sometimes in these Thanksgiving tournaments. Both teams seem to have an unusually difficult time avoiding slipping. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yep. Um, and and there were particular spots on the floor, both sidelines. It seemed to me we saw some of that. Now I also watched the UConn and Auburn game, and it didn't seem to be quite as bad there. But I did see guys slip in exactly the same spots that I saw Michigan State players slip. Uh, sometimes the problem, and I've seen this before in these tournaments, they put down spots because they're, they're playing in gyms that either are modified for the tournaments or like this one where they don't even regularly have a basketball court. They're playing in a hotel ballroom, for those who don't know. <laughs> um, that's where it is wow. in Atlantis. It's big, but it's, it's there's not a court there normally. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's sponsor logos. They're putting logos down on the floor where they normally aren't. And I've seen situations where those have caused real problems. Sometimes it's weather conditions. There, it, we've seen situations where there have been ice rinks underneath a floor, and because uh-huh. it's a little warm out. You remember there was a year where Michigan State had their Big Ten ACC Challenge game against Virginia canceled because there was too much condensation on the floor. Um, that was a regular season game. I, I was trying to remember that after this one if that was a game that wasn't played in UVA's home gym, but but rather in some other arena, which might have been the case. Mm. Um, I think it was. But but this is something that has, and that's that's not good for anybody because somebody can get hurt. It's, you know, they really need to, if I had one wish for these holiday tournaments, and generally speaking, I love them. I think this is, other than the NCAA tournament, this is the best week of the year for college basketball because you get to see so many heavyweight teams playing other heavyweight teams. It's, you know, you're playing uh, cross-conference games. It, it's exactly what college football lacks mm-hmm. for the most part, right? Um, but the one thing I don't like about it is the slapdash, in my opinion, nature of some of the logistics for getting a floor down and making it safe for guys to play. I really, I'm going to be very interested to see the rest of the games in this thing. If my hunch is right that there's a problem, or if it was just bad luck that kept happening to both Michigan State and Loyola repeatedly. Um, the one other thing you can say is, for whatever reason, Loyola had a lot of its own problems, too. What, they have 14? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot more. You know, Loyola's a team you would expect 8 to 10 would kind of be normal for them. And uh, 14 was just enough, just enough to keep Michigan State in the ballgame. Because if they had had like a 10 turnover advantage in this one, I I don't think you overcome that. Mm-hmm. Even with all the things Michigan State did well, I don't think you overcome that. And And a lot of theirs were the – the the same kind of general nature as Michigan State's, just unforced, you know, what the F kind of errors, right? There, <laughs> yeah. there wasn't a ton of it that you're like, wow, the Michigan State defender. You know, we've seen in other games, Tyson Walker, Gabe Brown, uh, been making making really good defensive plays, and, and Markey had a couple, but for the most part, Loyola's mistakes were very similar in character to Michigan State's. They were just 
inexplicable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then tempo. Um, you know, I thought I thought that I, obviously you knew Loyola was going to do everything in its power to not let Michigan State run wild, and they didn't. I don't I don't think Michigan State got much done in transition in terms of point production. But one thing I will give this team credit for, and it's it's as true of A.J. Hogard as it is for Tyson Walker, is I think that they've done a really good job, generally speaking, of getting the ball in the forecourt quickly and getting into their offense, which matters. Because if you're walking the ball up, you probably lost five, six seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, they have not done that. It's been, and it's, I've talked about this all the time over the years. As much as anything else, even if you're in a game where the opponent is doing a great job of getting back and they're not letting you get points on the break, you still want to establish a habit, right? And Michigan State, I think, is establishing a habit. They're looking to run the ball. Now, I see the statistics. Fast break points were 10 10, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was not, it was not, uh, not a problem to me because I knew this was not going to be a game as opposed to hopefully tomorrow where they are able to play 94 feet a lot. You just knew that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah. Uh, and then hit the three was the final one. This is, I think, the best. Michigan State yes. has shot thus far. 43% as a team, 6 for 14. And big shots. They were impactful ones. Yeah. You know, they weren't early in the game, low pressure. It was, they were, in fact, if I remember correctly, they were 1 for 8 at the half, 5 for 6 in the second. Oh, I'm sorry, 1 for 7 in the first half, 5 for 7 in the second half. So Gabe hits three of them. Tyson Walker hit a big one, and then you know Malik Hall hit that one uh, from the corner. They were all big shots and big moments. Gabe's came when they were trying to get back in the game, and it felt like it was teetering on the point where maybe it was going to get away from them. And then you know later Tyson and Malik was about taking and maintaining an actual lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that does it for the keys. Anything else about this one stick out to you, Ron? Uh, only that to kind of reiterate the point, I think, you know, people are going to feel the way they do about the performance because of the 20 turnovers and, you know, some of those kind of things. But um, don't kid yourself. This was an important win, a good win against mm-hmm. a good opponent. I, I am convinced Loyola is going to have another very good year. Now, what that all adds up to when you play in a non-Power 5 conference, you can have a good year and still not get to the tournament. But I, I'm i not going to be surprised to see Loyola back there. Let's put it that way. And and I liked a lot of what I saw from them today. I think, you know, Michigan State was in the end maybe a little too long, a little too athletic, and, and they shot the ball well, mm-hmm. which they hadn't been doing. Um, but, man, Loyola did a lot of good things. And I, I just – what I'm impressed by is exactly what I expected to be impressed by, which is they've got veteran guys who look like they know how to play the game because guess what? They do. And so they do things like use their body to create space at the rim. Um, they use their pivot foots well. 
Uh, they pass the ball well. You know, they do a lot of things that are going to make them a very difficult team to beat. I think their game against Auburn is going to be fascinating because Auburn is, having just watched them play uh, against UConn, Auburn is athletic as all get out. They're quote-unquote talented if you go by what people usually think that means, but they're also sloppy. They also make a lot of bad decisions. You know, they're different than Michigan State. Michigan State has those WTF moments with the ball, but Michigan State doesn't doesn't generally make a ton of bad decisions. Like, there's not a lot of bad shot attempts. Yeah. You know, yeah. or just crazy stuff. Auburn does a lot of that. Out stuff. of control drives. Yes, yes. And I'm going to be very interested to see how does Loyola hand, handle a team that plays like that. And I, I'm expecting that they'll handle it pretty well, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, in case people missed it, this game, Auburn-UConn, goes into two overtimes, and they finally wind up settling that uh, 115 to 109. Uh, Connecticut wins. So Michigan State draws Connecticut in the next round. And my first thought is that's got to benefit Michigan State, <laughs> them playing for, so long. For sure. For sure. Um, I, I think that this was the best possible outcome. Is that, well, whoever wins, they had to go double overtime, and they've got, you know, after 5 o'clock, they got about 17 hours. Yeah, and it was a war, a physical game. Too. It was. It was physical, and it was high intensity, uh, up and down the court. So, yeah, you would think it, it took something out of them. Now, you know, the thing about UConn, as you, if you saw the game, you know this, they want to play fast. Uh, okay. Michigan State has not played an opponent yet who wants to play fast. Sometimes Kansas does in a given year, not all the time. Um but this year's Kansas team didn't want to. Loyola clearly didn't want to. You know, I think I think Eastern did a little bit, and that they, you know, <laughs> Michigan State had a lot of success in transition. So uh, this is going to be interesting from that perspective. One, stylistically, I think UConn wants to play a, a tempo pretty similar to Michigan State, and and then two, what does going double OT take out of them? You know, Mich- it was important too because. You know, Michigan State had a lot taken out of them in their win. You know, it was a lot of mental exertion. It was a physically tough game. You know, so it's not like they had a, 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 a easy street, you know. Yeah. I was concerned, you know, early in the second half, Auburn had a – I'm sorry, UConn had a big lead. I think it was as much as 14 yeah. at one point in the second half, some, somewhere around there. And I just thought, boy, they're going to be able to take it easy. And fortunately, that did not happen. So hats off to Auburn for making UConn work for everything they got. And we'll yeah. see how it shows up tomorrow. I mean, normally, I, I will say this as a caution to people who think it's going to be a big, big factor. Usually where that stuff ends up mattering is day three. Mm-hmm. Usually adrenaline and young bodies are enough to get you through two, but it's that third straight day that maybe it starts to show up. Um, but, uh, you know, the positive for UConn is they play a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Too. So, you know, um, they should be okay, but I'm, I'd rather it go the way it did than the converse. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so UConn comes in, Stan Hurley's fourth year with them uh, after a stint at Rhode Island and Wagner. 
Um, they're five and zero this year. After that win, uh, and really, you know, their other wins were not all that. I mean, they were impressive, but they weren't in. They haven't, they haven't played anybody. Yeah, yeah. Central Connecticut, Copen State, Binghamton. Going by using Ken Palm, which has limited relevance at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. The the highest rated opponent they had prior to today was Long Island University at number two seventy three. Everybody else was in the three hundreds. So they played bad teams, and they ran them off the floor. But Auburn's not a bad team. Mm-hmm. And Auburn's probably a team, you know, you, you don't have a lot of difficulty seeing them as a tournament team. And uh, and they beat them on a neutral court. So um, good opponent. And, and I think you can start to see, you know, Dan Hurley had a little bit of a build here. If you remember, it must have been his first year, right, was – Cassius Winston's junior year, MSU saw them. I'm trying to remember. Was it that team that they saw in that? No, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the year prior to Dan Hurley getting there, um, where they beat UConn yeah. in the um, in the Phil Knight Classic in 1718. Yeah, it wasn't 19. Yeah, yeah, so it was, it was the year before. Yeah, they, they got whacked. It was the year before. That's the last time yeah. Michigan State seen UConn. MSU has a has a bit of a rivalry with UConn. Um, a lot of big games, you know, in the in the uh, in the Mateen Cleaves era, um, they beat them badly in the national championship year mm-hmm. when UConn was the defending national champ, and MSU just whipped them. Um, one of those weird, you know, non-conference games in the middle of January. Uh, played them a couple of times in the tournament. The big one, one I witnessed, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners did, was at the Final Four in Ford Field in the national semifinal where MSU beat a, a UConn team. Uh, it was very, very good. Um, and then ended up facing North Carolina for the title game. Michigan State did that year in 2009. And then one that still gets referenced by MSU fans uh, a few years later in 2014 in the Elite Eight in Madison Square Garden, where UConn had a miracle team that won the national title with Shabazz Napier leading the way. Um, MSU had beaten Virginia in the Sweet 16, who had been the number one seed, and I think everybody, I know I felt, okay, well, another Final Four, and a real chance to win it all because there, there wasn't a super team that year. And instead, UConn had a big second half, as I recall, and, and ended up winning it and derailing a Michigan State team's chances where it looked legitimate to get his own another title that year. Um, that was a loaded team, although, to be fair, Keith Appling was playing with a bum wrist, if I remember correctly. Mm. He had so many injuries, wrist or shoulder, one of the two. Uh, it all blends into one, but that was a big factor in that narrow loss. So, uh, and then MSU beat that team, as I mentioned, in a, in a holiday tournament a few years back. So there is a little bit of history. Oh, and MSU has—I know they lost to the Kemba Walker team in Maui um, in yeah. that disastrous 2010-2011 season. Um, so there's a lot of history there for teams that don't have a natural rivalry, aren't in the same league, et cetera, et cetera. Um, They've seen each other in some in some pretty interesting uh, settings, mm-hmm. and so this one will be another opportunity for that in the Bahamas, and it's going to be a good test because I think 
I think these teams have some base level similarities. I mentioned they want to play fast. You know, UConn, not as fast as Michigan State, but currently their tempo is 18th on offense, 97th overall. So actually, offensively, they're slightly faster than MSU. MSU is 22nd now. I I think some of that was helped by today, in Uh fairness. So, um, but they both want to play fast. Mm-hmm. They both got fairly long teams. You look at you look at UConn's um, UConn's lineup and their average height per Ken Palm. Uh, they are 35th in the country this year in average height, whereas Michigan State is 11th. So Michigan State has an advantage, but it's not massive. This is another mm-hmm. long team with athletes. They want to play fast. They want to get it and go. Um, and uh, and so it's going to be an interesting challenge. Uh, yeah, I think that's for sure. Their offensive rebounding percentage fourth in the country, forty-two percent. Yep, another and similarity. They have three point, and then they hit the three too, forty-three percent on the year three-point yep. percentage. The one one thing you can hope, yeah, they're shooting the ball very well overall, fifty-three percent from two, which is in the top one hundred. Um, defensively, they've been very good so far. 64th against threes, 15th against twos. That's a function of their length. They're 10th in the country in block percentage. Um, Michigan State is 7th. So you see what I mean. There's a lot of surface-level similarities between these two teams. Um, UConn is, I think, maybe prone to trying to be a little more aggressive than Michigan State. Uh, and I'm using that word kindly. <laughs> I think they take chances more than Michigan State does. Um, can Michigan State handle themselves well enough and avoid the self-inflicted mistakes well enough to make that count, to make that matter? We'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, UConn has had some turnover issues themselves. They're they're 126th in turnover percentage on offense. And that's Michigan State's a lot worse, and today didn't do any favors on that count. But it's not as if UConn is Bo Ryan, Wisconsin either. They're going to make mistakes. Uh The biggest thing to me, though, is I I saw in this game against Auburn, you know, Auburn wants to play fast and run too. And it seemed to me that there were a lot of times where Auburn was able to punish them in transition. So – for the first time this season, we're going to see Michigan State playing against an opponent that probably is going to give some stuff up. You know, uh, you look at the the high level teams that they've played so far. By high level, I mean you know Power Five plus Big East opponents. Mm-hmm. Bill Self knows he's played Tom Izzo so many times at Kansas and before that Illinois. He even played him when he was coach at Tulsa. He's going to have his teams well prepared for what Michigan State wants to do. Butler, who did not do a great job early in that game at least, but they had no excuse for it because Laval Jordan, all his years at Michigan, and he also did some time at Iowa, he knows what Michigan State wants to do. Drew Valentine coached at Michigan State for two years. He knows what Michigan State wants to do. Dan Hurley doesn't – I believe this is the first time MSU has played Dan Hurley. So usually – at this time of year or in March, when you're playing a team like that, Michigan State is able to play more freely than we are used to seeing, certainly in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm hoping for in this one, that UConn is on discipline with getting back. 
that you mentioned the big offensive rebounding numbers. It's going to be important for Michigan State to clear their defensive glass, but if they do, I think there are going to be a lot of chances. And the one thing I like about MSU's point guards right now, we've had issues with them in many areas, but one thing I do like is they've been consistent in trying to push. Mm -hmm. So that would suggest there's going to be some 94-foot basketball in this game. And I'm, I'm wanting to see that. I actually think it may do Michigan State some favors in the turnover department. Yeah. You know, let them play yeah. more freely, you know, not think, not yeah. not be passing as much, you know. Um, we'll see how it turns out, but I think there's a possibility we see some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first thing it it starts off with uh, Adama Sonogo, who got 30 points <laughs> in this last game, averaging 15.8, 6.3 rebounds a game, uh, 66% from the floor. 87 from the line, uh, doesn't really take any threes. Yeah, I was was impressed with him. And, you know, looking at this UConn team, we're obviously not doing our usual kind of preview uh, Mm -hmm. to let people know because we have to do this on the fly when you get into this tournament mode. Um, But UConn's got a lot of guys who played a lot of basketball for them. They're very experienced. Um, But – they didn't have anybody coming back who was really a super, super impact player. They had a lot of guys, kind of like Michigan State, where the guys who were back, some of them had nice seasons, and, and uh, Sonogo would be one of them, but not dominant seasons. Nobody came back. I don't even know if they returned a double-digit score. I'm not sure that they did. But a lot of guys who were like seven, eight a game, you know, uh, did some things last year but weren't go-to guys. They had, they had the, the uh, Bonite kid who was their big scorer last year, Yeah, or call correctly. But seeing Sonogo play today, I was impressed. You know, 6'9", 240, but he's got some tools to him. You know, he's athletic. He looks to me like he can go some off the dribble. Um, he's a shot blocker. They got a lot of shot blockers. They don't have one guy like, like Markey. They got a lot of guys who, you know, have five, six, seven blocks on the year. Um, so I think it's, he's going to pose an interesting challenge. I, I look at their, their lineup and I assume early on it may be Markey because they start a little smaller. Mm. Um, yeah, but, mostly it looks like they start Sunoco at the center and yeah, at the power at the four. Exactly. Exactly. But I think there are lineups where Sunoco could be at the four. So it's going to be an interesting challenge for Markey because this is a guy who can – I'm not sure what his wingspan is, but it seems to me he gets pretty close to where Markey is, maybe not quite as long. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's athletic and bouncy the way Markey is. So it's – yeah, it's going to be a challenge. This is a this is a good-looking player. Yep. Uh, and then the other guy that got down low, Whaley, um, 6'9", 225 uh, out of North Carolina. 4.5 points a game, 4.8 rebounds, um, field goal percentage is 60, or 30, only uh, 38%. So. Yeah, you know, when, when I look at, at what he did um, last season, he didn't do very uh, – uh, I'm sorry, he didn't play last season. He sat out last season. Um, he's had an interesting career because he played a lot early on 
even started 12 games in 17 and 18. But, um, yeah, he's he's been out for a while, um, Isaiah Whaley. So he's playing a fifth year, and they've got a lot of guys like that. We mentioned this in regard to Loyola and also to Butler, that they had a bunch of super seniors. And they have, they have that going as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm sorry, he did play last year. So he averaged... The stats I was looking at were incomplete. So he averaged eight points and 6.2 boards and 2.6 blocks per game last year. So, again, we're, we're talking about a guy who's long, athletic, um, not off to a great offensive start, but um, as you mentioned, but um, definitely a guy that can impact the game. they got a lot of guys like this that just seem yeah. sort of interchangeable. You know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, they can run the floor a bit, they can jump, they're long. Yeah, both of their wings six six six. Uh the one guy the uh Jackson, um eight points a game, seven rebounds, six six, two oh five. Um Yeah, and he was a very, very highly regarded freshman last year who kind of struggled um making the transition. I think he was banged up a little bit. Um, but they expect a lot more out of him this year. Uh at he least early on. He he didn't have a big game today. I know that. Yeah. Fifty percent on the year for, for coming three. into today. Coming yeah. into today, I don't think he shot well today. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, long. You know, this is something Michigan State's had a real advantage thus far against most opponents, including today, where you mm-hmm. run Gabe and and Max out there at six eight and six seven. Uh, it's not as much of an advantage in this game. Yeah, uh, and then their other wing, Tyrese Martin. Um, 6'6", 215-pound senior, um, and he's 13.5 points a game, 6.5 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 61% from the floor. Um, and from three, he's, uh, oh, geez, 71% so far this year. Yeah, he he transferred in last year from Rhode Island, so followed Bob Her- uh, Dan Hurley, uh, and had a good year last year, 10.3 points, 7.5 boards, 44-32 last year. Um, so it's not surprising that he's providing some offensive punch for them since he was mm-hmm. – so I guess I was wrong. He was a double-digit scorer that was returning, barely. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, off to a scorching start uh, offensively this year. Um, so another guy with good – I mean, 6 six two fifteen. that's kind of a physical load to deal yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, and then – R.J. Cole, who's the point guard, uh, he's a senior as well, 6'1", 185, um, 11 points a game, 2.3 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 40% from the floor, um, and 31% from three. He was, he was better than that today, though. He had a really good game Yeah, uh, in many respects. I thought he shot the ball really well. Uh, 24 tonight. I, what was he tonight? Uh, 24 points. 24 points, but what did he shoot from three? Oh, uh, 50%. Yeah, so uh, he's he looks to me like a guy who's going to be a handful. You know, he made he made generally good decisions last year. He's you know today things got a little bit out of hand. I'm not sure what his turnover numbers were, but um, you know, a nice point guard, definitely a challenge for Michigan State to deal with him because he's another guy who's reasonably well put together. 
Uh, only six one, but he looks solid. He looks certainly more solid than Tyson Walker does physically. And the interesting thing about him is he's an example of a transfer up guy who worked. He started his career at Howard and was, you know, I believe he might, he was definitely first team all MEAC, might have even been player of the year in that conference, and then transferred to UConn last year and really played well, gave them uh, something at a position where they really needed it at the point. And he's another guy who's taken a, a super senior year. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, this UConn team is, that's one common pattern that Michigan State has seen so far this season. We saw it with Butler. We saw it with Loyola. We're going to see it again tomorrow. A lot of guys who have played a lot of basketball. Yeah. Uh, and then coming off the bench, um, Tyler Polly. he's a, a senior as well, 6'9", 200, um, 10 points on the year, uh, 2.3 rebounds, 43% from the floor, uh, and three points, 27% from three this, so far this year. Yeah, um, Polly's a little more of a finesse guy despite the size. You know, coming into today, 18 of his 30 shots had come from three. Mm. Um, so whereas some of these, but again, long is long. You know, he, he's not blocking a ton of shots, but um, that length plays. We've seen that positively for MSU in a lot of different ways this season, and I think it's been true for UConn also. Mm. Uh, and then Jalen Gaffney, uh, it was a junior, 6'3", 180, um, 10 points on the year, one and a half rebounds, 3.8 at this fit uh, 46% from the floor um, and 61% from three. And he yeah, does a little I, bit of their backup point, it looks like. I like him. Yeah, I think he's a, I think he's another nice player. You know, um, again, even their smaller guys are like 6'3", you know, which is true of Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State's really only playing one guy in Tyson Walker that you would define as small. You know, everybody else, Hogard, uh, Jaden Akins, those are not small guards. So it's a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of down low, they got Akuk. I, I can't recall if they said this. Akuk? Akuk? Yeah. <laughs> First and last name the same. Um, he's been getting uh, 7.8 points a game, 5.5.5 rebounds, uh 61% from the floor, 40% from the free throw line. Long. <laughs> yeah, long. Another 6'9 guy. He's not tremendously strong, but length plays. And he's. I mentioned, they got a lot of guys. It's not a Marcus Bainham situation where you've got one guy going out there blocking, you know, four shots a night. They've got a lot of guys who are at, you know, one and a half a game. Mm-hmm. But it adds up. The, the problem is, you're pretty much not – it's not just you're looking for one guy and when he's off. That's sort of the, the deal with Michigan State, right? When Marcus is off the floor, you feel like opponents figure, all right, now's our time to try to get something done at the rim. Um, that's not going to be the case with UConn. It's going to be a consistent issue mm-hmm. um, for Michigan State to uh, manage to get points in the paint because they got a lot of guys who can influence it, and this is one of them. Uh, and then Jordan Hawkins, freshman, 6'5", 175 pounds, uh, did get 16 in this last game. He was good. He was good today. I certainly yep. noticed that. He kind of um, picked up where Jackson where Jackson had been playing well and then didn't play so well today. Hawkins really yep. picked him up off the bench. You know, they're playing a similar role. 
And then uh, what, Samson Johnson, uh, forward, 6'10", 200, uh, 3.3 points a game, one rebound, uh, 60% from the floor. Not a lot. Looks like he didn't do much in this game. Uh, he, may, he may have been... Yeah, I don't played, think. Yeah, didn't play Johnson, very much. Johnson and Richie Sprains and Rashul Diggins are and Matt Gary, for that matter, are all guys who have played in every game up till today. But I don't think you'll probably see them. You know, when I look at it, well, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I see a nine-man rotation is probably the guys we've discussed. Yeah, um, probably what UConn's got. Okay. Well, I mean, anything kind of high level going into this one? Well, it's going to be I, most important. Um, no, there's a few things. We won't have our, our firm usual five keys, but I can certainly mention a few things I think will matter. Uh, one is clearly turnovers. After a game where you had 20 of them, it matters. You know, and UConn had a bunch in their game today, and I think this is going to be a game that's played at a fast pace. So for Michigan State, it needs to be better, just point mm-hmm. blank. And I wonder, and we'll see if this is the case, if a 94-foot game or more of a 94-foot game actually helps hold that down a little bit, counterintuitively if it's better for Michigan State. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But I, I think if you know if they have another game, you dodged a bullet today. You dodged a bullet, one, because you committed 20 turnovers, two, because your opponent, who doesn't kick it around very much, somehow had 14 of their own. Nine days out of ten, with a twenty turnover performance today, like they had today, they lose. Mm. So they dodged a real bullet. Um, they can't continue to tempt fate like that, yeah. you know. All right, so this one's on uh, uh, tomorrow, Thanksgiving, twelve noon on ESPN. Um, any final thoughts, Rob? Um, it should actually be. An entertaining game, if you like fast-paced basketball, I'd be very surprised if it's kind of a slog fest. Um, I think these are two teams that want to get up and down, and I think they probably will, and we'll just see how execution goes. You know, UConn has shot the three pretty well as a team Mm -hmm. coming into today. They shot it pretty well against Auburn, if I recall correctly. Um, I'll pull up. I didn't. I didn't see the final, the final stats, um, but uh, you yeah. know they're, da- they're 50, dangerous. Jeez, fifty-eight percent today. There you go. So uh, this is this is a team that's that's got some things going for it. You know, when you pair that with length, athleticism, you know, you look at their profile. And there's not a lot of weaknesses showing up. Now, again, four of those five games have been against tomato cans. Mm-hmm. You know, Michigan State, by comparison, has played a team that's better than its league would suggest in Loyola um, and then went on the road against a Big East team and won big and then played Kansas on a neutral court. So MSU has definitely been tested much more than mm-hmm. UConn thus far. We don't know for sure how much of the production is um, – Maybe exaggerated, but uh, we'll find out starting tomorrow. I think their performance against Auburn offered a lot of positives. It did offer some negatives. They let Auburn back into that game and yeah. kept trying to give it to them. Essentially, you know, I, I don't think I don't think Dan Hurley can feel very good about the way his team closed that game. Yeah, and they had twenty four turnovers. 
course, they <laughs> played an extra 10 minutes. but They did. They did. But still, that, that basically puts you right about on par with what Michigan State did. Now, one difference is that game was played at a faster tempo than MSU's game. So it's mm-hmm. slightly more excusable. But, yeah, these are these are certainly issues. All right. Well, we'll uh, uh, going on from here. Uh, what are we looking at, Rod? Probably tomorrow night. Once we figure out who they have to play, and we'll do it again, just like that. We'll do it. We'll do it again. Um, you know, the game is at noon again, so we get an early one. So that's a good thing for your Thanksgiving Day plans. Um, yeah, shouldn't have any any problem getting to watch it before the festivities really begin, unless you're directly involved in the cooking. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and then we'll we'll be back with a wrap up of that and a preview of whomever Michigan State plays next. Hopefully, it'll be someone in the uh, in the final. Yep. All right. Until next time, uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, and the Final Four is not on the schedule. Caregivers, how does $2,000 sound to you? Are you and the person you care for not satisfied with your current home care agency? Then you need to call Help at Home to receive our limited-time caregiver sign-on bonus of $2,000. Yeah, I said it, a caregiver $2,000 sign-on bonus. Plus, at Help at Home, you will receive top wages, weekly pay, overtime pay, paid time off, and benefit. Help at Home is recruiting caregivers today who are caring for a family member or friend. Call us right now at 215-607-2234 or go to helpathome.com.